all you movie junkies and cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. And welcome, one and all, to episode 328 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Constantine's Bridge episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that back on July 5th, built over the Danube between Suistavia and Oasis, was Constantine's Bridge. And it wasn't just built on July 5th, but it was built July 5th. 328. With that wonderful little bit of bridge knowledge, I, of course, am Nat. And coming to us all the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee, Tim. How are you doing today, sir? This evening, as it were. It's good. It's fine. I mean, it could be worse. (laughs) Uh, I had a bite of pie a little while ago, and I, I mean... Could you do no wrong with a bite of pie? I guess unless, of course, it was not good pie, but luckily for me, it was good pie. Do you like pie, Matthew? Pie, 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 pie. (laughs) Uh, Well, in the immortal words of Jim Gaffigan, everybody likes pie. Pie is just liquid cake. Do you like pot pies? I mean, I guess when I say pie, you automatically think of sweet... Fruit pies or cream pies? Do you like those, or do you prefer like the pot pies, the meat pies? I, where, where, where do you stand on the pie spectrum? I am a dessert pie person, although I have nothing against personally a solid uh, quiche. I have nothing against a good pot pie every once in a while. But when I when I think of pie, I think of the Dessert variety, pecan pie, uh, key lime pie, which is my favorite pie of all time, uh, in, in that regard. And just for those who are not in the know, if you ever hear someone say, oh, and we have a lovely key pie, key lime pie this evening, you need to ask the following question. Is, what color is your key lime pie? Because if the answer is green, then it's not a real key lime pie, and you should just stay away. The correct answer will be yellow. If it is a true key lime pie, the pie will be yellow. And then you can truly enjoy your key lime pie. That's all I have to say on that particular issue. <laughs> Are quiches technically pies? I mean, is anything with a crust on that's, top Again, of that's pie? why I threw them out. Yeah, that's why I threw quiche in there, because it is baked in a pie shell. And I, I, I think you could say it's a breakfast pie. I mean, is quiche limited to just breakfast ingredients, or could you stick brisket in there? Or I mean, it has to be egg, I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's where you're gonna hit the wall on most people considering it a breakfast dish or a brunch dish at best because of it being primarily eggs. But that's not to say you can't do breakfast for dinner. It's not to say, like you said, you couldn't put brisket in it. Uh, you could, you, you certainly could make a heartier one, but I don't know too many people who do quiche for dinner. So, yeah. For those of you not knowing what we're going to be covering this episode, guess what? We're talking about pie movies. 
<laughs> Movies that only feature pride, uh, p- feature pride, feature pie as their <laughs> MacGuffin of some sort. Yeah. Except Possibly not. divorce, maybe some divorce, <laughs> some unhappiness, single, unhappy single life-ness. Yes, I think we're going to be covering a lot of that-ness. But not pie-ness. We're going to have some, yeah, we're going to have some Gloria pie. That's that's what I think we're going to do. Oh, man. So, yeah. But uh, I guess then we have, uh, we, 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 I guess, I look, last week... It was so Matthew, so Matthew, and now it's this week. It's so I guess. Well, I guess so. I guess because I don't know what I want to say. Apparently, Matt forgot how to segue, but he guesses. I think we have. <laughs> I think we have a copycat throwdown that we should shift into. <laughs> what do you say? I'd say let's put the show in gear. It's it's. it's- the, the copy copy cat cat throwdown throwdown that's right it's the copycat throwdown well that's right it's the copycat throwdown stop it stop it no no seriously stop it oh right like stop repeating stop repeating right oh uh, okay i'm going to kick gonna your ass, ass. throwdown throw down. Down. all right and as we mentioned in our discussion of pie, <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about some Glorias here. We've got uh, 2013's Gloria versus 2019's, I'm sorry, 2018, 2019, 18, whatever, mo- uh, most recent release, Gloria Bell. And Tim, t- you know, I didn't look up a trailer to be on the safe side. Is is there like a dubbed version of this trailer <laughs> of the chilean gloria no not at all yeah no no okay so then perhaps in the interest of just making things easier for our listeners should we go ahead and do them backwards this time do gloria bell so we can hit the trailer and talk about it and then they'll already know what gloria is going to be about yeah i think that's a good idea i mean because it there's not a lot of diversion between these films okay so then we're going to do things a little bit out or normally do them chronologically but uh this time we're going to start with the new one so you can get the gist of everything with a trailer and understand what's happening and we'll talk and then we'll shift right shift gears into 2013's gloria uh all of which is important to note the reason why it works really well this way not only because it's easier to understand trailer wise but it's actually directed by sebastian uh lalio uh, both of them so There you go. Here we are then, 2019's Gloria Bell. Hi, Peter. I haven't heard from you in a while, so I thought I'd give you a call. Um, that's it. I love you. It's your mother. Life just goes by in a flash. Like that. I know. You tell me the same thing every ten years. You come here a lot? Yes. No, not a lot. I mean, sometimes. What's your name? Gloria. Hello? Are you asking me out? If you were water, I'd be a glass. If you were a foot, I'd be a sock. (laughs) I can't get you out of my head. What happened to me with you? I thought it was never going to happen again. Happy birthday, sweetheart. That's my ex-husband. Then you were in love. No, no. <laughs> Wasn't an easy situation. Really? I searched for your eyes. I didn't exist. 
Who is this guy, Mom? I love you. You understand? Get away from the car. Please. Gloria. One, two, three. <laughs> this woman is awesome. Treat her right. Respect her. He calls me every five minutes. Don't pick it up. I won't. Is that him? Yeah. Oh, my God. Honey, this guy could die tomorrow. We could all die tomorrow. Well, when the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing. All right. Drama film written and directed by Sebastian Lilio. Uh, it is basically, as I said, a reimagining of his uh, 2013 film, Gloria. This one stars Julianne Moore, John Turturro, Michael Sarah, Karen Pistorius, Brad Garrett, Gene Triplehorn, Rita Wilson, Sean Astin, and Holland Taylor. We have Gloria Bell, who is played by Julianne Moore. She's a divorcee. She kind of... Uh, meets this dude named Arnold, um, played by John Turturro, who is someone that is kind of rediscovering himself. She's been a divorcee for quite some time. He's kind of rediscovering himself in a certain certain aspects because as much as he is also divorced, he's actually tied to his um to, to his ex-wife and kids, really more the kids than the ex-wife. Um and it's just kind of their relationship as they work to be together or not be together and still be people who discover love in their own way. Now, this movie um, is really... I, okay, I don't know. For me, I, it's hard to talk about this movie as, as much as it is easier to go into it with the concept and the plot being you know something you can relate to just because of uh, language barrier and talking about it here in an audio podcast. Um, I really felt that I either missed something. I wasn't paying attention closely enough for Gloria, or maybe I just wasn't paying attention to the subtitles closely. For me, Gloria Bell seemed a lot easier to follow. Like, I mean, the broad strokes are all there, and they copy almost verbatim. Um, but with Gloria Bell, I've... I'm finding that it's easier to really truly appreciate the subtleties in the characters and stuff like that. Um, and I, and I, I apologize for talking a little bit out of order. Um, but, but just to kind of give you an idea, there's about the, a little over the halfway mark that, uh, Gloria and Arnold kind of get into this weird thing where Arnold kind of pisses everybody off in the room and then he just kind of leaves and everybody's like, wait a minute, where the hell did he go? Um, in the, and and it's basically just this really weird awkwardness. He's kind of irritated because of the situation that he's facing. Um, and so he, I can't remember what it was that he said, but, you know, he basically kind of irritates everybody. And then they're just kind of, what the heck happened? And then he leaves. Well, in the 2013 version, um, he basically just kind of says that he was part of the Navy. And then everybody's pissed at him. And I guess maybe I don't know Chilean politics well enough to know why just saying you were in the Navy is a bad thing. Um, so it's stuff like that. Uh, th there's there's things that are harder to pick out of the 2013 version uh, that are easier to relate to and get in, in the Gloria Bell version. Um, that also might just be because of, uh, move, you know, American movie-making sensibilities. Also, you, you know, you've got more... He's a little more seasoned uh, at this point, so there's so there's different things. But 
As interesting as this movie is, I think that it suffers from... Oh, man. Tim, do you remember... Oh, my gosh. I can't believe I'm just now thinking of this. Our very first episode... Do you remember our very first episode? And we talked about a movie that had... Uh, I think it was Ed Norton and Stone. Robert De Niro. Stone. Stone? Yeah, in Stone. Mia Mc... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> in Mia so, McJovovich, but... Yes! Oh, yeah, that's she right. She was called something the, else. The, the nickname, yeah, yeah. The nickname that happened in that... Oh, my God. Yeah. We're reaching way back into the vault, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I just want to say that so bad, but I know we can't. All right. <laughs> My my chief complaint with Stone was that I didn't feel that there was any true resolution. And again, I'm 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 fine. I realize that thought provoking endings exist, and and things can be open ended or what have you. And and that's okay if that's kind of something that you're going for. But I feel like much as I did with Stone, you're just kind of dropped into this person's life and then lifted right back out again without any clear sense of resolution to the characters. Yes, the story of this particular time period has its own resolution per se, but you if you're going to be invested in the characters and you're going to have the writing that you have to create these compelling characters and very good dialogue overall, then I think that you need to... You need to have something in it that that says, okay, well, we're done for now, but I think you can draw your own conclusions about what's going to happen to these characters in the future. And and I really don't feel like you get that. It's not a cliffhanger. There's no, there's no cliffhanger or anything like that. But I really feel that that it suffers from that. Um, that that this movie that 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 the premise itself suffers from that. And I think it kind of hurts both movies on the whole. Um, but we'll we'll talk about where it hurts Gloria momentarily. So I definitely enjoyed the movies, and honestly, I was not really sure how I was going to feel about this movie at all. <laughs> um, especially after watching, I watched Gloria first, then I watched Gloria Ball, uh, and I really was not sure how I was going to feel about this particular movie. But I really ended up enjoying it. Uh, I just really don't like the app the the feeling of just kind of picking up and leaving on and maybe that's uh maybe that's Lilio's desire is that you're supposed to kind of not be voyeuristic but to be that free spirit you've drifted in to see what's happening in this part of the world with these people and you drift on to go to your next adventure i i can i can understand what it is but i don't have to like it and I guess that's kind of the takeaway that I get from Gloria Bell. And so, yeah, I don't know. What do you what do you got to say there, Tim? I enjoyed both of these films. However, I do feel like there is one clearly better than the other one uh, that I feel is most honest with its storytelling. I saw these out of order. I saw Gloria Bell first, then went back and watched uh, Gloria. I thought Gloria Bell was a very interesting film. It's definitely a Julianne Moore vehicle. She plays this very fragile and and fierce character with this level of depth and humanity that she brings to this character that you don't really see that often. 
she takes the character on this path to becoming comfortable with being self-dependent, which is a topic or a subject that people are very uncomfortable with because it's something that we all struggle with at some point in our life, especially when we lose a loved one, whether it be because of death and divorce or, you know, whatever. We also have to be self-dependent before we even go into a relationship, when we're in high school, when we're in junior high school, when we're in college. But it's something that a lot of people are very uncomfortable with. Nobody likes that feeling of the unknown. You don't know where your love life will end up. Just that sense of being alone for either the first time or for a long period of time. I like movies that dabble in this subject matter. I've felt like this in some way before, obviously not like Gloria Bell, but I felt isolated, far removed from my uh, family for one reason or another. Same with friends. So it's, in some way, being a 30-year-old white male, (laughs) I found this to be a very compelling character study. But it's very much a Julianne Moore-driven film. This is her movie. This is her character. I couldn't see another American actress playing that same role and getting away with certain things that Julianne Moore was able to get away with. Like her dancing, her car singing, the little uh, look in her eye or in her mannerisms when she still has hope for her new boyfriend, played by John Tutoro, that glimmer of hope that maybe this will actually work out. And right off the bat, she notices some faults, uh, some red flags, but she looks past them because she thinks, like, this is what life owes her. You know, she deserves a truly kind, wonderful man because that is what she is eager to get a hold of. So she puts her blinders on, disregards any red flag, and just jumps in. But when she begins to realize certain things, seeing how she, at first, retreats back to her old self, relying on 80s songs, you know, relying on cheesy 80s dance songs to sing along with because their lyrics are in some way reflecting her current situation. So it's interesting seeing her retreat to all that stuff at the beginning. But then as the movie goes on and she begins growing and you, the audience, get to see her grow, she doesn't necessarily retreat to those things that make her happy. She embraces those things that makes her happy because she finally realizes maybe... Finding love at that very moment isn't the key to her life after all. Watching her grow is a very engaging and even empowering experience. And that is why the film is being carried by Julianne Moore's performance. But I feel the better of these two movies is in fact 2013's Gloria Or is it 2014? I can't remember. 2013, 2014. These two films are directed by Sebastian Lelio. And he might sound a little familiar because back a couple years ago, he came out with A Fantastic Woman, which was nominated for and won the Best Foreign Language Academy Award. 
A Fantastic Woman is a wonderful, wonderful film. Gloria Bell does not match the wonderfulness of A Fantastic Woman. But Gloria, from 2014, does. Could be because it's a Chilean movie and I'm not at all familiar with with the actress who plays Gloria, Paulina Garcia. Could because I'm not familiar with her, therefore I'm not used to her certain mannerisms or how she carries herself. So I was able to buy her as a divorced woman. And whenever she is singing along the car or dancing, I was able to embrace her character easily. But I'll stop with that because I have a feeling we're going to be talking more about the 2013 Gloria. I, I actually land on the opposite spectrum. I thought the 2019 Gloria Bell was better than the 2013. Mainly because, uh, like you said, what we have in the Gloria Bell is a uh, Julianne Moore vehicle. So it's designed, uh, you could you could say it's designed with her in mind. And for me, I think it was easier to understand. With the original one with uh, Paulina Garcia and Sergio Hernandez, Again, I, I don't know. I think this is one of the few times where culturally uh, it was it was a little bit lost on me. I just wasn't keeping up as as best. And maybe I don't know. Maybe I just had an off day. I mean, we all know that on this show, foreign films are awesome, and we are all about them. That's one. Of, that's why it's one of the, our favorite uh, categories to cover every year for the Oscars and stuff like that. Um, so. It's just, for me, it just felt, everything felt so abrupt. I just wasn't buying into the characters as much in this version, in the 2013 version. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with the movie, because again, it still suffers, I think, from that same free-spirited kind of just drop-in, pull-out situation that Gloria Bell does, but I think that the characters just don't resonate as well. I'd like you, I do buy that Gloria is kind of singing or, or that she kind of has just this, um, indomitable spirit, if you will, despite all the problems that she endures. And it was just as easy for me to buy Gloria as Paulina Garcia, or I'm sorry, Paulina Garcia as Gloria, as it was to, to know that it was Julianne Moore and Gloria Bell. So I'm not, I'm not hating on it as that, but I just did not connect with the characters as much in Gloria as I did in Gloria Bell. And I think that perhaps, I think that maybe the order that you watch them in does affect that. I, I and I believe that it, I think that the connection to the pre-existing material helps you look at the characters a different way when you're seeing it a second time. Um, and I think that's, and I think that's probably the fundamental difference in where we're looking at it. You saw, um, you saw Gloria Bell first. So, you know, you had all of this stuff in line, in check. And yes, there's still going to be differences in everything. I'm not saying that, there, that those differences don't exist, but I think that you have, such a good handle on it after watching it one way that when you see it, you're getting things in a bit of a better, in a bit of a, 
uh, let's say a more clear light than you might not than you might have had otherwise. And so it was just harder for me to connect with the characters in 2013's version than it was in 2019. Um, so for me, the better the better pick is the 2019. But that's not to say that if you didn't have Tim's experience, you won't land on it the way that Tim did. And I don't know. So for you. Tim, you were just you, you just did not buy into Julianne Moore as much as you did Paulina Garcia. Basically, I mean, it's really what it boils down to. It just because I mean, it it is carried the the bulk of the film is carried by their title character. So I mean, it's you know, so you've got to believe and you've got to subscribe. Well, yeah, the only characters that experience any type of growth that have any sort of resolution is Gloria Bell. None of the other characters matter. The love interest. You really don't, he's not as much of a well-rounded character as maybe I would have liked, but that's not what the movie was about. It wasn't about exploring his issues, and, and, and it actually works for this movie. I mean, this movie is very straightforward in regards to what it is expecting the audience to give it, get out of it. It's the character of Gloria Bell and how she grows into becoming comfortable with being self-dependent. I'm totally fine with that. And I don't want to say I had a problem with it, because I enjoyed Gloria Glory Bell very much. I thought it was very entertaining. Brad Garrett, John Turturano. Uh, I keep calling him John Turturano for some reason. John Turturro. <laughs> Even Michael Sarah. Their inclusion in the film was a welcomed inclusion. Um, but I did feel as if they were playing certain things up for laughs. I didn't feel that way as much with 2013's Gloria. And again, I'm sure it's probably because I don't understand Chilean. <laughs> Looking at their faces and hearing them, it sounded more like I was witnessing real people talking. For Gloria Bell, again, it was a little more heightened little more played up for laughs. Not necessarily what Julian Moore's Gloria is going through. That's not being played up. Because her experiences are very real. But the characters that she surrounds herself with, to me, feel more played up and not 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 real. So I think that's where my main differences lie, you know, between the two films. 2013 Glorious, the original one, feels to me the most honest. Because I buy them as individual, real characters. I think also with Gloria Bell, I would have liked to have seen Sebastian, the director, take things maybe into a different direction. Because Gloria, from 2013, was nominated for an Oscar. It did pretty well. I mean, people here in the States definitely know of Gloria. I did not see it when it first came out, obviously, but I've definitely heard of it, and I definitely know people who had seen it when it was first released. But Matt, would you have liked to have seen him take Gloria Bell maybe in a different direction for the 2019 version? Because I keep thinking of the, the same director remade Cold Pursuit. You know, he did In Order to Disappearance and verbatim, the carbon copy, Americanized version, in, in, which ended up being Cold Pursuit. I, I think I would have liked to have seen some different characters. Maybe John Turturro's character played a little bit differently. I mean, maybe some of the events that happened could have played a little differently. I don't know. I mean, I think really it's too hard of a call to make because it holds 
it, it means that you hold the original to a different standard. And that means you are going to ask the viewers in the United States to that, that otherwise would not to watch the foreign film. And the people that are not going to watch the foreign film, you're not going to, you're not going to win them over. So they need the American version so they can see the film. I think that I, you can use it as a bridge to say, Hey, look, this guy here already made this film in Chilean. So why don't you look at some of his other Chilean work? Because if you like what he did in it with the U.S. stuff, well, you don't really need to see the Chilean version of it because it's more or less the same movie. I think that makes the American version gain value. I think that's the value proposition there. If you just go and completely make a different movie, because that's what you're asking, that's what you're asking uh, Lilio to do is ostensibly make a different movie. It's the same premise, but because the movie plays out in a completely different way, it's not the same movie anymore. Well, it wouldn't play out in a completely different way, because the type of person that would go and see this movie already would be the type of person that would be interested in the original film. I get it. I definitely get it. People are turned off by, by subtitles. Unless it's a Guillermo del Toro movie called Pan's Labyrinth, um, that's not the case. But people, a lot of people are generally <laughs> turned off by subtitles. But there's just enough with this character that Laleo and the writer, I, so he had somebody else help him write the original one. Gonzalo Maza and Gustavo Maza helped co-write It just feels like they could have done just something for the people who have seen the original and are interested in Sebastian Laleo's, in his new work, you know, aesthetically different even. Just something a little bit different that would separate this film from something that he already did. Because what's the point of making a movie if it's probably going to be a carbon copy of the other? And I don't think just having it non-subtitled for American viewers is enough to warrant that. Sure, but on the same token, you have Emiriachi versus Desperado. It's ostensibly the same movie, just cleaned up with a bigger budget because it was American. People would not have been exposed to Robert Rodriguez in the same way without it. But it's a different movie, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm not telling him to completely change the film. But there are certain things that could have been reworked. Certain things coming maybe from a different angle, character-wise, personally, would have been more interesting. Because, I mean, even aesthetically, the movie is very similar. How it's shot, how it's lit. And, and, and again, those are all fair. We didn't watch him... And I really believe that's kind of what's coloring our opinions on this. And again, it's not that, that there aren't valid criticisms to make on, on, on either film. I just wonder how much of our criticisms or how different they would be or, or how much of it would echo had we both watched them 2013 and then 2019. Well, I mean, so, if... I mean, even going back to Cold Pursuit and In Order of Disappearance, I watched In Order of Disappearance first. And I felt the same way, because those were two very stylistically similar 
and and uh oh what's the word attacked thematically you know stylistically thematically character development was very much the same the portrayal of the characters were very much the same i don't know i i just i'm all about the the artist doing something having an opportunity of doing something different you know especially with the movie that whenever with gloria bell i doubt they were expecting this movie to be a huge hit you know so it's not like they took something that was a huge hit in chile and i'm not too sure how big of a hit Gloria was in Chile, but it's not like they were taking a movie that was a huge hit here and they knew, oh, this is going to bring in hordes of people, you know, and it was going to be a huge box office success. You know, they wouldn't do that because more than likely they probably would have just brought over the Chilean movie. You know, I just want to see the director who I like bring something different to the table with every film he puts out. But don't get me wrong, I mean, Gloria Bell is an excellent film. The impasse has been reached. so tim lands firmly in the camp of 2013's gloria and i land firmly in the camp of 2019's gloria bell so the only way you're going to find out for yourself is to watch that movie watch both movies um and you know what hey flip a coin so that you don't uh so so that you can be just as into it uh either way depending on however you watch it uh so that does conclude our Bonus segment next week. We're just gonna we're gonna take it back to the news, y'all. Haven't done some news for a while, so that is what we're gonna hang in there with news. And without further ado, I believe it's time for the movies, is it not, sir? Or movie? Yeah, we can let, let's movie it up. Here we go, folks. It's the movie. We <laughs> Right. Well, this week we have uh we have one movie for you. It's 2018's The Man Who Killed Don Quixote. I was born by the special will of heaven to restore the lost age of chivalry. I am Don Quixote de la Mancha. And cut right there. Good work. I want to drop some of the shots. Why? Because it isn't working. Because my client isn't happy. Because the whole concept is ridiculous. You are Don Quixote. It's your concept. It's your vision. I want you to keep an eye on her. Do that for me. I'm the boss's wife. (gasps) Jackie! Javier? Sancho? You crazy peasant. You think you can hide from me? We shall have such great adventures together. I am Don Quixote de la Mancha, and I command you to release my squire. Don Quixote. Wow. Now he actually believes he's Don Quixote. This is going to be fun. Don Quixote de la Mancha. Come to restore the lost age of chivalry. Well, I wrote that. Blasphemer. Can I read? <laughs> the peasant like you cannot read. I will sound the words. And you can look at the pictures. I really like your big adventures, Don Quixote. He's probably wet himself. I don't like this. Why does everything always have to be about you, Sancho? Me, 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 me. 
Quixote. This, of course, is the long gestated 2018 adventure comedy films directed by Terry Gilliam and written by Gilliam and Tony Grisoni. Uh, Gr- Gr- I can talk, really. Good Lord. Uh, and it's loosely based on the novel Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes. Um, this one, of course, stars Adam Driver, Jonathan Price, Stellan Skarsgård, Olga uh, Kirilenko, and Johanna Ribeiro, um, amongst a few other people. Uh, and well, you know, Matt did not get around to being able to see this movie. And so Tim, who has been wanting to see this movie since pretty much 2011 when we started the show and, and he, uh, I'm sure first started talking about it as early, I would imagine as early as 2012 probably. Well, Tim, lay it on us, brother. I want to hear what you have to say. The Man Who Killed Don Quixote is a very interesting film. Anybody who is listening to this review right now has probably heard of the long gestating history of The Man Who Killed Don Quixote and Terry Gilliam's descent into madness while trying to get this movie made. Terry Gilliam has been trying to make this movie on and off since 1989, the last time he really was going to make the movie and had a cast and actually began shooting was back in 1998. When it originally starred Johnny Depp as Toby and Jean Rochefort as Don Quixote. Unfortunately, the backing, the movie just fell apart. Backers, producers, whatever, took their money and ran, and he was left with nothing when it was all said and done. The production relaunched again in 2013, and then again in 2016, Ewan McGregor was supposed to be in the movie, Jack O'Connell, Robert Duvall, Michael Palin, and John Hurt. All three of them were cast as Don Quixote, until, of course, Jonathan Price, the wonderful, the lovely Jonathan Price, was cast as Don Quixote, and Adam Driver as Toby. The story is very much a Terry Gilliam film. It is one of the best shot Terry Gilliam movies that I have seen in quite some time. This is probably the best movie of his since I mean I don't I can't I don't know if I should say the best since a lot of people really didn't like Fear and Loathing Las Vegas. I personally love Fear and Loathing Las Vegas because it's a very interesting story. I think it's well told visually. Really just a good time if you're you know, in the proper mindset. I'm not just talking about weed. I'm just talking about if you're interested in watching something art housey, zany, and willing to take a lot of chances. Uh, the man who killed Don Quixote, amazingly shot, beautiful locales that were first scouted by Terry Gilliam in the late 1990s when he was going to make the film with uh, Johnny Depp. He used the same locations. I believe, if I remember correctly, he used some of the same set pieces that they had built uh, for the 1998 film. I can't remember. I don't know if that's true or not, so don't take my word on that one. Pretty much everything was shot on location in these beautiful castles. And like I said, I've been following this movie for many, many years and dying to see it because I knew this was Terry Gilliam's passion project. Once I heard this movie was finally getting made, I didn't hold my breath. Matt, I don't think you did either. (laughs) And then when the film was made and did not receive an American release because of all crap ton of lawsuits from one of the producers, one of the backers, uh, just kept the movie from getting a proper release, 
oh, man, I still wasn't holding my breath because I was just worried that, you know, if I put any more stock in this damn movie, it for sure would not get a release. And of course, Fathom Events released the film here a few weeks ago, and I believe as of now, you can find the movie available on VOD, so you can rent it and watch it from the comfort of your home. I went to the theater, I sat in the second row in the middle, and me, along with everybody else in the audience, and it was a packed house, had a good time watching the film. As I mentioned, it's beautifully shot. I think Jonathan Price is really one of the best performances in the film. You have uh, the Terry Gilliam visuals, the Terry Gilliam uh, humor, as well as the Terry Gilliam pacing. Terry Gilliam pacing is either a good thing or it's not so much of a good thing. And unfortunately, the man who killed Don Quixote is a mixture of the good and the bad. Pacing isn't the only thing that's divisive with Terry Gilliam's films. Sometimes it's more visual than it is substance, and it's both with this film, and it's super frustrating. When the film was over and the credits were rolling, I left the theater with a smile on my face. I enjoyed it. Other people did as well. Unfortunately, I give it a 3.5 out of 5. I went in wanting to love it, and unfortunately, I did not. But I do recommend anybody out there, if you're wanting to give this film a shot because it looked interesting or just sounded interesting, I'd say give it a shot. I guarantee you, if you're going into this movie blind, not following the issues that this film has faced over the past 20-some-odd years, then you're probably going to be more willing to accept the movie for what it is. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm the one willing to accept the movie, you know, for what it is, because I wanted to like it. I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess there lies the confusion of Don Quixote himself. Very cool. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the movie segment. Next week's movies are going to be Avengers Endgame and Shazam! That's right, folks. The end of an era... Versus the beginning of an era. <laughs> I don't know why I did that that way, but I did. So, I guess without further ado, we are now down to the spiel, are we not, sir? Spiel on. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right. Would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama raised no dummies. I duck her rap. Cut me some slack, Jack. It's a cutting thing. Say, 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 All 
Right, well, the music you'll be listening to, as always, has been brought to us by our music partners, Cries of Solace. You can check them out at ReverbNation.com and Facebook.com, both slash Cries of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS Cast. You can find us at SLSCast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLSCast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can follow me, this is Matt, on Twitter at nitwit12345. You can always comment for that information, super high, and track on too much Twitter, if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, as well as track us down on other podcast directories. And if you'd like to support the show, please head on over to patreon.com and check us out over there. And so until next week, this is Matt saying that thanks to John Turturro, I get to say this. When you sit down and watch something alone, you're going to watch it for what it is. Take care, cinephiles, and we'll talk at you again next week. Madam, perhaps we should be going. Oh, well, monsieur. Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur. Thanks again for listening to the SLS Cast with your hosts, Matt and Tim. You can find us over at slscast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can send us an email to the show at slscast.com. And of course, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>